This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello, and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog. With me today are two special guests. We have Michael Jones. Hi, how are you? Good, how's it going? Well, and Eric Anderson, the Nerd Chapel. Hi. Yes, I'm great, having a good week. Excellent. All right, we are here today to discuss fandoms, or pop mythologies, as I think is a little more accurate. (laughs) But since both of you are giant Doctor Who fans, please explain to me, what is the appeal of Doctor Who? Well, it's... The thing is that there's a lot of things in the appeal. Um, part of it is you've got one ship that is it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And it can go anywhere in space, but it can also go anywhere in time. And um, so story-wise, story wise, they can do anything. Um, and then they done quite a very good job at casting their lead role even though you've got all these different doctors and it can be a little confusing um, they always do a good job casting the person and each person who plays the role of the doctor has their own quirks and their own silliness or sometimes not silliness but their own attributes that they bring to it Mm -hmm. makes it unique and, and their own character yeah so you've got one being, but yet he's, uh, you know, all these different lives as well. Um, and part of the reason that he can do that is because um, when the doctor dies, because he does die, uh, he ends up regenerating. And each mm-hmm. regeneration is essentially a new life. He gets to be an entirely different person. So while most of the doctors are somewhat similar... A lot of them, a lot of their details and their flaws and idiosyncrasies are uh, dissimilar and different. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I've watched exactly one episode of the show. Which one did you see? First one with Christopher Eccleston. Oh, Eccleston. Or whatever his name is. I hated it. Yeah, that was that was the reboot of the series. That's uh, what's typically known as uh, New Who. Um, anything anything before that is classic Who. It's starting uh, to sound yep. like a Doctor Who, the Doctor Seuss convention here. <laughs> Close enough, all things considered. Yes, I think that the, that the Doctor and Doctor Seuss would both have quite an interesting conversation with each other. Probably so. For me personally, one of the big draws of Doctor Who is that they can they can go nearly anywhere and do thing. Um, there are some little bits and bobs and bumps and excuse me stuff in the road where the writers are like, no, he can't do this, he can't go here, which is uh, very poorly defined. However, uh, the fact that he has such great technology and such great uh, ease of access to pretty much everything um, mm-hmm. through one form of shenanigans or another uh, because of the show. Uh, that It really makes the show a lot of... Um, they call it a monster of the week show in that every week you're dealing with some new form of evil or some new 
something has gone wrong and, and the doctor must fix it. And, and it's up to the doctor and only the doctor can do it except for his companions, which is kind of how the show connects to people because the doctor in yes. and of himself is an alien. Uh, mm-hmm. But he, almost all of his companions are human. Uh, he's had some other alien companions before, and he's he's had even a uh, uh, robot companion before named K9, which is adorable. I love K9. He's so cute. K9 um, is cool. K9 was really cool. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's always got somebody at his side, somebody he's teaching or or learning about, or uh, just kind of enjoying the ride with. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's a it's a very whimsical, fun show, and yes. uh, if you try to take it too seriously, you might end up a little bit disappointed because um, there is no such thing as canon when it comes to Doctor Who. Partly because of space time shenanigans, and also partly because uh, the show does span over fifty years, so it's really really hard to keep everything exactly in line and straight. So, yeah. I would say that there is canon. It's just that it includes so much. Yes, yeah. It's it, it, it's just difficult to have a grasp on everything that is. Yeah, there's uh, recently there has been a um, a a trope known as wibbly wobbly timey wimey, and you use that trope to describe basically whatever you want that doesn't make sense. That's <laughs> that's kind of yeah. how it works. But it's a fun way to describe it. It is for sure. It's for yes. Weebly wobbly. Um, and one of <laughs> weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. <laughs> one of I'm, one of the things is just it's so interesting to watch the different companions mm-hmm. mingle and interact with the doctor. Yeah. Um, because most of the times he's such a level higher than them that they have no clue what's going on, but yet they still find all these different ways of having such a significant impact on whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. The companions uh, are, are definitely known for also growing uh, through the story as well. Yes. Yep. Yep. In, in fact, it has what some consider to be the most amazing um, presentation or exploration of marriage uh, with, within a, like a modern TV show in Doctor Who because two companions that traveled with him for a while are a couple. Um, that was some of the most, the most recent ones, uh, Amy and Rory. Rory. Um, yep. Amy and Rory. Yeah. Just an Honest, amazing, amazing couple. I don't necessarily agree that they're an amazing couple because yeah, they do love each other and stuff, but it's very unbalanced. It's very unbalanced and I don't care for that. However, it is a good look at, uh, like marriage in a more modern context versus uh, previous years. So yeah, mm-hmm. and in that context, I could see it being more of a, a good look. But uh, as far as what a good marriage looks like, that would not be a model. Anyway, we're getting a little bit off track here. Um, yes. So yes, the the sidekicks are sidekick quote unquote sidekicks are good, um, and it just it's just a really fun show, you know. It is, and it, it's kind of surprising because their monsters are the silliest, goofiest things possible. <laughs> Most and definitely. It, either the monsters would be the least scariest thing presented in the scariest way, mm-hmm. or they they will be 
they will take the most inane thing and make you scared of it. Like there's oh, yeah. one episode that makes you scared of Wi-Fi. I totally forgot about that one. Oh my goodness. Um, there's yeah. there's a running theme, at least in New Who, where um, they have taken the angel statues and graveyards and such and made those living creatures who are like stony sentinels of instant death. It's very, very creepy. Um, and also, they took... If you've seen the Daleks, they're the big tin can-looking monsters with um, like a camera. They're like salt and pepper shakers. They do look like salt and pepper shakers. That's a fantastic way to put it. And they have um, a whisk and a plunger for arms. However, the the whisk is a giant laser beam of doom, death, and destruction. And the plunger will suck your soul from your body. So it it takes various – it takes very – goofy looking stuff and just makes it like the most terrifying thing possible. And and what is hilarious about that when they first started Doctor Who back in the 60s mm-hmm. um, they said the the guy who started said I don't want there to be any bug-eyed monsters or robots. <laughs> and the uh the Daleks have this kind of long thing coming out for an eye so they're basically bug-eyed robots. Yes. Uh, except they're more, they're not robots. They're, they have some living tissue in them, so they'd be um, android. Well, yeah. not android. Cyborg. More, more, like, um, more like a living being inside of a doom tank. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, 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 um, the bug-eyedness about them is like an eye stalk, similar to like a snail or something like that. So it's like the eye on the end of a, a long pole. Yep. And it's, it, it, he's, the original producer or director said, I don't want anything like that. And then they bring that in, and it basically saved the show from being shut down. Oh, definitely. I mean, kids I think, went wild over these think, monsters. Definitely, definitely. I think it's interesting um, how that worked out, because the show uh, ends up... It ended up being... Um, like, originally, people were like, oh, is this going to work? Is this going to be weird? Is this, you know, Is it going to be accepted? Um, and there's actually a uh, documentary on the first years with the first doctor mm-hmm. and how all that goes. And um, uh, it's actually good. Uh, it's it's like a um, uh, more of a portrayal rather than a documentary. Excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. But originally they um, it was it was going to be like a kid show, but it ended up being like a, a kid show for an adults. And like an adult show for kids, and that's kind of how it's accepted nowadays, which is yeah. very interesting. I'm guessing you would both consider yourselves part of the fandom of the Doctor Who series. No, I hate the show. <laughs> so I am a Whovian. Okay, uh, so definitely, a I'm a Whovian for sure. You are a Whovian. So why do you call yourselves Whovians? What exactly makes you a fan of something? I. I think one thing that makes you a fan of something is just being willing to make time for it consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, just like if, if you never, ever played Super Mario, you would not be smart to call yourself a fan of Super Mario because you don't ever play it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, if you do try to play Super Mario, say every couple of weeks or once a day even, then 
you're a fan because you're putting time into it. Um, another thing that would make you a fan is connecting with other fans. Definitely. Yeah. Um, like when I was in at Gen Con last year, I actually was uh, wearing my Star Trek Next Generation uni- uniform, but someone had built a Dalek and she had her two kids inside controlling it, driving it around. Um <laughs> uh, and so I walked up in front of it, and there is actually a comic book where they combine Star Trek with Doctor Who. Um, but I just I walked up and I said, "Hey, let's let's take a picture." And then I went, you know, spread my arms out and acted like I was screaming to act like the Dalek was in the process of murdering you. Yeah, uh, exterminating me would be precise. exterminate, exterminate. Is, yes. Um, and so, yeah, I think connecting with other fans is a big aspect of fandom. Definitely. And I think that's sometimes that's, that's just as um, drawing to a person as whatever it is itself, because that community that builds up around whatever fandom you are in can be so significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like for for me, a big part of being a fan is – um, how big of an impact whatever it is I'm interested in has made upon me. Uh, for mm-hmm. a lot of people, Doctor Who takes um, – well, it's very goofy and fun and it's very um, whimsical and uh, uh, just just fun. Um, it also has some serious moments. Uh, there's a it romance – there's a romance between the Doctor uh, – the ninth Doctor, Christopher – it's more of a friendship – uh, between Nine and Rose Tyler, who is mm-hmm. the first companion of New Who, uh, which eventually blossoms into full-on romance between Tenth or the the Tenth Doctor, which is um, David Tennant uh, and Rose. By the way, David Tennant is one of the most favorite Doctors. Um, I think overall the most favorite would be the Fourth Doctor, which is Tom Baker, uh, but David Tennant's a close second. Um, he has an interesting backstory uh, as an actor, but anyway, um, uh, it takes a serious look at like what would that look like for a being who is thousands and thousands of years old because he can regenerate and he's an alien and so on and so forth. What would that look like between um, him and a human? And originally in the show, they never wanted the Doctor to have uh, romantic interest because it's oh he's an alien, you know, he's, he's beyond him and so on and so forth. Um, but uh, they kind of broke their own rule with New Who, partially because it's a new generation, and um, the fans wanted to see something like that. You know, uh, a lot of the new fans now are uh, teenaged and older women. There are guys too. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of them are are women because uh, the newer Doctors are younger males, or at least up until now. Attractive. Yes, attractive <laughs> younger males, um, and so uh, the show takes a serious look at at um, interesting issues, and it's a very uh, it's a very open and accepting show. Um, some would call it a some of the themes that run through it are very liberal, um, not in like well in a political sense, but also in like um, well, just for example. Uh, in one of the more recent episodes with the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith, 
um, he went into the Old West. And one of the fun things about the TARDIS, which is the, the ship um, that the Doctor uh, flies with, it's uh, T-A-R-D-I-S, which stands for Time and Relative Dimension in Space. In other words, shenanigans. Um, the, the TARDIS has a special ability where if you're within so much distance of it, um, it automatically translates every language into your language in your own mind. So, like, you could be talking to a human and an alien from Klaxon 17, and they both sound like they're speaking English. And so, um, anyway, uh, the doctor encountered a horse whose the owner told him the horse's name was Jacob. It's from the Bible. And I think the horse said, um, the doctor said that the horse had told him his name is uh, Cynthia and he wants you to respect his life choices, which I thought was hilarious, even though it was a male horse, you know? So yeah, it it takes an interesting look at stuff like that. And that episode actually took an even just a deeper look at even more significant issues. Um, The doctor is finds this other alien who was a scientist on another planet. Um, and he had done some pretty horrible war crimes there, basically turning uh, turning people into weapons for war. And um, he comes to Earth to hide, basically. And he does a few good things. You know, he, he brings electricity to the town and cures it of cholera um, and does a lot of good things in the town. Um, but then... You know, the doctor comes and finds out about his past, and he gets in this discussion with this alien doctor, and the alien doctor says, In my culture, we believe that when you die, you carry the souls of everyone you have wronged up a mountain. And then he goes, Do you understand why I don't want to die, why I don't want to deal with this, basically? And the doctor says, Oh, I know exactly why. You think you can choose your own punishment. And he goes, but you can't. That is not justice. And for me, that really spoke into the issue of can any philosophy, or can multiple philosophies or religion really be correct at the same time? Mm-hmm. Well, no, because if, if they are all correct, you're just choosing whatever form of punishment you get. And it's not justice if you choose your own punishment. If we, or if we really want to go down uh, down that road, we all may have a personal sense of justice, but as far as true justice, the universe may have an entirely different idea as to what justice looks like. So I feel like the idea that all religions are true is false for different reasons uh, than just the sake of justice, because um, justice is a man-made concept, you know, like as far as sociology is concerned, um, justice is a man-made concept, but anyway, uh, yeah, the, it does bring up a good point. And the doctor, um, this show likes to take a look at uh, social issues like that. Um, and also, the doctor becomes a very real character in that throughout the series, he ends up he ends up growing as a character. He ends up dealing with some emotional. Um, yeah. scars and, and issues is going on um, he has ended up having to and this is a little bit of spoilers so for anyone who hasn't seen the show 
you may want to skip ahead like 30 seconds. Uh, he ends up having to um, go find his planet and save it because everyone died. Um, and and through that, he has gained a lot, a lot of emotional baggage in the fact that he wasn't able to save his planet. Mm-hmm. Um, or that he, so yeah, and then he he essentially sacrificed his planet to stop the Daleks, basically. Yeah. Although then, Which, then the fiftieth anniversary, that he they kind of did this interesting thing shenanigans, shenanigans. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, that's it, essentially um, it's like nothing is canon. Us. Yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. Lost is um, like anything hey, can happen at any time, and it's gonna work for some reason. Yeah, you're not far off there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's fun, but it's bad. <laughs> okay, so how did you guys get into this in the first place? Like, did you just happen to watch it on television, or did somebody introduce it to you? Because the strange thing about like being a fan or getting into like one of these big fandoms that end up in conferences and all that stuff is that somebody gets you into them somehow. Yeah. So explain your experiences regarding that. Well, for me, um, I ended up getting involved in the show because. Um, I liked a girl at the time, and she liked the show, and we ended up watching the show together when we were hanging out. Um, and then I developed like a really strong love of the show, uh, separate from the relationship because I didn't end up working out. But I just continued watching the show and enjoying it. Um, and because I love sci-fi and, and nerdy things, this is like the ultimate culmination of everything science fiction um, in one package. And it's very fun, and that's part of the draw of Doctor Who is, like, it covers so many subjects, so many different genres, so mm-hmm. much different material that um, there's very few people who don't truly, really, legitimately love it to the core. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, uh, I ended up uh, marathoning it. And then just watching all of it on Netflix. Uh, I still haven't watched much of Classic Who. Uh, the hard part about that is that Classic Who, um, a lot of the material is missing because of poor um, post, uh, post-production post taking care of the film and such. And there was fires and there was yeah, destroyed nice. evidence and whatnot. And, I remember yeah. hearing about that. Yeah, yeah. but they did find... Recent, last year, they found a bunch of episodes in Africa. They did. It was crazy. Africa. A lot of, I know, of all places. Uh, welcome down to Africa. Oh, I love um, <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, and, and for me, I, I start two ways. One is I have a really good friend who loves Doctor Who, um, who I don't get to see much anymore because he lives in Indiana and I'm in Michigan. Um, but between music front and also I started finding the new who on at first when it was on the sci-fi channel during the Eccleston years, mm-hmm. um, started watching it on there, really enjoyed it. And then was able to keep up with it to a certain degree. And I've, I've watched some of the older doctor who on Netflix and also some of it that they showed last year, they were getting ready for the 50th anniversary. They would do a special on each doctor and then show a, a story arc from that doctor. And so that's how I how I got involved. But just 
real quick, one thing to point out. They did explore the idea of the Doctor being romantically interested a little bit in Classic Who. Not a lot. Did, did they really? Uh, I, I never... Yeah. Hmm, okay. There is one stray line when they're in... I think it's Aztec. Oh, okay. With the, Aztec with the Germans. Find women there. And they kind of... Like, in the 90s when they made the TV movie for Doctor Who in America... Oh, yes. Um, they did have the the first time that the doctor ever kissed a woman. Yeah. And that became a big deal when that aired. Yeah. Um, I know that generally they tried to stay away from it as much as possible, yes. though, up yep. until a certain point. Right. Yep. Mostly they did stay away from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that for me, it was definitely friends and finding out on TV and being a big sci-fi guy. You know, th- that was back when the sci-fi channel was actually good, when they had Stargate <laughs> SG-1. And and you're a Star Trek person, right, Eric? Uh, a little bit, yes. I mostly my three favorite would be Doctor Who, Star Wars, and Stargate Stargate series. In no particular order, just the three of those are my favorites. Hmm. Maybe the anti-religious uh, inclination of Gene Roddenberry is probably not so much an appeal. <laughs> well, I, it's yeah. Go ahead. For me, it's not so much that. I just uh, I do enjoy. Star Trek. In fact, my mom and I have been watching Star Trek Voyager, watching through that again on Netflix. And I've been watching some of the classic Star Trek on my own, um, again with Netflix. But um, I just don't get as excited about it as I do about the other three. Fair enough. Uh, But yeah, um, it seems that a big part of Doctor Who for a lot of people is um, the fact that the show covers so much material and it's very it's like the the quintessential sci-fi show um, yeah. even people who don't like love sci-fi love doctor who um and and a big part of it too is the the community is really cool there's a lot of uh artwork fan fan made stuff there's a lot yeah. of fan fan made whatever um and it's a it's a very loving community like everybody's like oh my gosh i love it so much and everybody's like that Everybody's like that. Um, but uh, to touch on the Star Trek stuff uh, just briefly, I do enjoy Star Trek. Um, um, I think Gene Roddenberry is a good writer. Uh, yeah. I haven't watched anything after um, The Next Generation, to be quite honest. I've seen a little bit of DS9, but nothing after that. Um, mm. But... He's not like anti-religion. He's just more like doesn't try to make it a main theme, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, people are religious. They have their own ideas. Some of them are crazy. Some of them aren't, you know. Yep. Well, Gene Roddenberry himself says, "I condemn false prophets. I condemn the effort to take away the power of rational decision to drain people of their free will and a hell of a lot of money in the bargain. Religions vary in their degree of idiocy, but I reject them all." <laughs> yeah, he, that's he, a personal he, thing, but I don't think he's made yeah. that as like an author. Yeah, I, yeah actually, you know. it's a little. It's not so explicit in the original series, as far as I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes a little more explicit in the next generation. Yeah, much more so. And after he dies, they get a little more balanced. Yeah. So. This is very true. Yeah. You're not wrong. But, okay, so you guys are are talking about the community of Doctor Who fans. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what you mean by community? I mean, in the internet age, it could refer to anything. This is very true. Uh, yeah. Why don't you take the first crack out of this, Eric? 
Well, I think the community it it, it exists in several different ways. I mean, you have people that will come together to watch the episode regularly. You have conventions like down in Atlanta. There is um, TimeGate, which is a combination of Doctor Who and Stargate. And eventually I really need to make it down to that convention because I love both those shows. But anyway, um, it shows itself in the hobby of cosplay. Mm -hmm. It shows itself in a lot of online chatter, especially memes and Facebook just lights up after a new episode of Doctor Who. It just goes crazy. And so it's it's a little bit face-to-face, a lot online. And it's the, the thing that really makes it is that once you find each other, like when you and another person both realize you're Hoobians, it's like you know any, everything you need to know about each other. Yep, yep, yep. That It does definitely say a lot. I feel like Doctor Who is um, like the everyman's sci-fi show. You know, like my parents, uh, my dad's kind of a sci-fi dude. Um, he's like action flicks and like Godzilla and stuff like that, but he also does war movies. But my mom is like, she's total romance and all that. Uh, but it's definitely like one of the shows that pretty much anybody can get into. I know like even little kids, like three, four, five, six, all the way up to older adults, you know, people my parents' age in their 50s and 60s, uh, and even older, uh, they totally get into it. I think that's a big draw a, about it. I have a funny story about that, actually. Okay. My buddy was was sitting around, and I think on his laptop, a, a picture of a, a Dalek came up. And his two-year-old, whose two-year-old daughter goes, Dalek! <laughs> and he goes, what did you say? Dalek! And he goes, Where, where's that from? He goes, Doctor Who! <laughs> and... So here was this two-year-old girl that I already knew at that age what a Dalek was and what Doctor Who was. That's super cute. Yeah. Okay. So, and, I mean, his his parents and his sister and their whole family are crazy Whovians. That's They're really cool. Amazing family, but, yeah. So um, that, that was an interesting anecdote. I do like that story. Um, uh, back to the uh, community bit. Uh, for me, seeing the community, it's a lot of cosplay and people discussing the storyline especially. Uh, I used to uh, look at the um, our Doctor Who and our Gallifrey subreddits, which talk a lot about like show arcs and like, oh, what's going to happen in the next episode? You know, how did people feel about recent episodes? And a lot of people were disappointed with the 50th, and a lot of people were like, oh, my goodness, this is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um but what's cool about it is no matter what, um, everybody loves the show. And and yeah. even people who like disagree on certain stuff, um, we all can come together in the fact that we love the show. And that's what a lot of fandom is about, you know, like finding common ground uh, and, and just fandom in general. Uh, it's like finding common ground instead of finding divisive points. Yeah. So much of, of people's interaction nowadays is – where do we disagree instead of where do we agree, you know? Um, and and sadly, nowadays especially, um, so much of people's opinion on other people stems from do you agree with me or not? 
you know, their, their ability to love and to know people and to want to have a relationship with other people depends on whether or not that person agrees with them to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a very odd, very, I feel like it's a Western concept, you know, maybe not, maybe it's more intrinsic and more worldwide. Um, cause there's such things like xenophobia where cultures are like, Oh, you're not like us, go away. Um, but it's odd how that works where people are like, you don't agree with me. I don't want much to do with you. Go yeah. goodbye. Go away. Yeah, um, and there's, you know, one of the problems that has been kind of, you know, really taken root in our modern culture is this idea of, well, if you disagree with me, then you don't love me. Mm-hmm, that, type, mm-hmm, that type of attitude. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's like, wait a minute. No. You know, one thing that, um, I like to say is I don't I don't need to compromise I don't need to compromise my beliefs in order to have compassion. There you go. And nowadays one of the problems is people say, Well if if you don't believe what I believe then you don't love me. Or mm-hmm. if you don't you know, it's 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 a it's a controlling person who needs people to agree with them in order to feel loved and um comfortable. Um it's 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 Part of it is like like the whole helicopter parent thing, like parents who will not let their kids experience life outside of whatever the parent can enforce. Um, it's because part of it is a fear thing, like the parent doesn't want the kid to fail at life, therefore the parent must be there to make sure the child doesn't fail at life, even though it essentially becomes the parent not failing at life for the child, which is also mm-hmm. not healthy. Right. Um, but it yeah. ends up it ends up being when the child eventually because it always happens or almost always happens um when the child rebels and wants to have their own life the parent feels like i did all of this for you and now you don't want anything like like why don't you want this i made life so easy for you i did so much for you and they feel unloved just because somebody disagrees with them it's funny how fear works so yeah. um all that to say that just because someone disagrees with you doesn't mean that they don't love you. Uh, and I feel like the show kind of portrays some of that uh, well. Like, people have differing opinions, um, mm-hmm. but we all kind of need to work together and love each other. Otherwise, the Daleks will win, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And they, they end up, like, the Daleks are kind of like um, like just evil, just pure evil. They're pure evil. They dehumanize them. But there's points in the show where the Daleks are... Uh, rehumanized and taken a serious look at and like, well, are they that different from us? And some of the answer, sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Um, but in the end it's, we fight them not because we want to, but because there's no reasoning with them. And it's partly because they're genetically modified to not, not have any other emotions outside of anger and and such um and hatred. because it's yeah because it's like a um their other emotions were holding them back from becoming the ultimate killing machine you know like as an evolutionary trait so yeah and i'm not i know that they the daleks were created um the daleks are like the main enemy of the show by the way for anyone who doesn't know they're like the ultimate antithesis to the doctor um, but cause, yeah. uh, I know that they were created. I just forget who they created by. I do not remember. I, I haven't seen that part of classic who. Yeah. So, 
Um, but I mean, there are some other very significant monsters. Oh, there are. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Yes, such as the Cybermen. That uh, you know, they they take people and basically put their consciousness into a robot body, but take away all their emotion. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I will state that while there are. Uh, there are the Cybermen who are also a large threat. Um, mm-hmm. The Daleks are strictly stronger than the Cybermen. There was a point yeah. in, in New Who where five Daleks almost took down the entire Cybermen army, which was like a couple hundred thousand strong or something like that. Something ridiculous. Um, and then there's also the Master, which is another enemy who is another uh, alien like the Doctor. Who, like the Doctor. Um, their race, yeah, their race is known as the Time Lords, and there's shenanigans with that. Um, but the but the Master, um, the funny thing about the the Time Lords is when the Time Lord comes of age, they choose their own name. So the Doctor has a real name that we don't know. Same thing with the Master. Um, and the Master is like, okay, like, think of it like a um alignment chart the doctor is chaotic good and the master is chaotic evil he's he's just there to punch things in the face and have fun with it you know that's that's kind of his thing and of course he's very persuasive and very um just very charismatic there's a point in the show spoilers um which is funny because that's a uh tagline in the show <laughs> spoilers um yeah there are a lot but, of spoilers happening <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of spoilers. Well, you can't discuss the show without spoilers. That's how this works. Um, this is true. <laughs> yeah, we it, we it can discuss concepts in the show. Apparently, but... I'm never going to watch it, so... <laughs> no, that's okay. Spoil away. Spoil away. So, uh, continue spoilers. Um, uh, the Master ends up becoming a... Like, essentially, president of the world. That's how charismatic he is. Um, and... And and he ends up controlling a very large portion of the world, um, and and everyone's like, "Yeah, I'm going to vote for this guy," but I don't really know why. I just know that I'm voting for him. And then all of a sudden, he's controlling the world, and and he comes up against a bunch of the Daleks who are trying to um, destroy the world um, while he's trying to take it over. And he ends up taking out the Daleks along with himself for the sake of I'm a meanie. Na 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 na, pretty much. If I remember correctly, I could be remembering that wrong, but that's that's how I remember it. So um, all that to say, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I don't know how that's connected track. with I don't, I don't know how that's connected with community, but the show's cool. Go watch it. <laughs> so what you're saying is fandoms kind of give you a basis by which to relate to other people from the get go. Well, that yes. means you do a bunch of other guesswork. Yes, it's it's how I will offend person X. Yes, it's it's kind of like a shortcut to relationship, you know. It's a it beginning is. point. Yes, it is a beginning point. Um, you know, now I think is really the big question. Well, part I of think, it is. Oh, go ahead. I think a big part of it is the internet, because mm-hmm. with the internet, we are able to find each other much more easily than before. Definitely, um, and I think. Another thing is just how media in itself is such a big part of our lives right now. Yes, yes. Whether it's the media of video games, the vid- the media of television, the media of 
an online uh, newspaper. Media itself is so prevalent in our lives. Every day we have some form of media. And most days we have multiple forms of media in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as we connect all the different media together, we find each other. Mm-hmm. And um, it becomes how we relate to each other because, you know, for for those of us who aren't into sports, you know, how are we going to relate to people about throwing a ball around? Yeah. Um, and... I think also it's become more accepted for adults to show their appreciation of of fictional and of, of fictional media and of television. Whereas ten years ago or twelve years ago it would have been like, Well, why should an adult be playing with these miniature collectible games, collectible miniatures games? Mm-hmm. Now it's like, oh, you you made that, you built that, and painted it. Wow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And so I think certain things are because we've grown up with them are now being more accepted for adults to do them than they would have before. Where when you had adults that had not grown up with it, definitely. I feel like it's um, a big part of why it's so prevalent now um, is because it's really hard. It used to not be this way, but it's really hard to connect with somebody now uh, outside of, well, what do you do for fun? Or what are you like? What are our common interests? Maybe you don't ask those questions directly, but you end up doing something fun with somebody because it's something they like. Um, and that's that's how you end up connecting. Just it's it's I don't know exactly how you would. I don't even know how you do it outside of that now. Um, but connecting with people has become a very large part of that has become, well, what do we enjoy together? You know, what do we both enjoy? Whether that's from, are you a Christian like me? Or, or do you, you know, do we both like to go ATVing or do we both like to go to the beach or, you know, do we both like to sing or listen to music or watch this TV show or so on and so forth. And we are more than the sum of our interests. Right. And so, finding a way to connect outside of that is odd that it's such a huge thing because people used to do it all the time and now mm-hmm. I don't even know how you do it, you know? Well, you know, it used to be you'd connect uh, like the, the whole village would come to help someone build a house. Yeah, it was their or, community, the sense of community was there without the, yeah, continue. Yeah, cause it, it was, the sense of community came from your need to, need of each other for survival. Mm-hmm. And now that we have gotten into this age with all this technology mm-hmm. and all of these systems for getting food around, we don't have a sense of a fear about survival issues. So what do we connect with? Well, let's connect with fun stuff now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connect with fun things. Connect with fun things. Um yeah, it's it's our time spent has become increasingly less about survival and more about um, personal pursuits. Yeah. And I think that that's that's a big part of it. Since so much of our time is about per- personal pursuits, like people can connect, like, oh, I work with you. You know, that would be a, a, a common theme rather than like this is what I enjoy. Um, but personal pursuits, since that takes up so much of our time nowadays. Um, 
that's how we connect rather than mm-hmm. like you're in my space we are together so let's be together outside of in our space and our mind space mind space sorry anyway <laughs> well we don't we need to fill our lives with something this is true <laughs> no we don't i see people do that all the time that's what entertainment is in a sense though i mean mm-hmm. we do have lots of free time and we can choose to spend it in ways that we weren't allowed to spend it on before this is true because our singular focus was definitely elsewhere this is true yeah so spend it on doctor who (laughs) (laughs) yes doctor who or stargate or playing really good board games or star wars or or music or video games dark souls specifically (laughs) shooting pool yeah, or going swimming. Let's all go swimming. <laughs> you guys want to go swimming? Over the internet? I don't think so. Let's go swimming. Or the internet. Memes, memes, man. All Can we the go memes. swimming in the Wi-Fi? I mean, you know, that's... Yes! No. That'd be weird. Lots of electrification. <laughs> Imagine if you could just zap yourself through a cable over, you know, to the other side of the nation. Actually, um, I read an interesting news article the other day where um, scientists uh, successfully did 100% success rate uh, data quantum teleportation. I did yeah. read a little. I don't even that. know all of what that means. I don't even know of all of what that means. I just know it has to do with frozen diamonds and fun particles, <laughs> and it's the beginning of... It's the beginning of the end of the world because there's fun. There's yeah, fun. We have fun particles. There's a lot of quirky. There's a lot of quirky quirks and quirks, and that's how that works. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's it's like science fiction is slowly becoming a science fact. Yes. Well, they also yeah. um, announced recently a new technology that will be connected with Skype or can be connected with Skype to. Tr- to automatically translate. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. And I watched some of the video from the presentation, and they said, literally, we, we create this program, we taught it English, and it did English all right. We taught it Spanish, and it did English even better. Then we taught it Mandarin, and it started excelling at both English and Spanish. Um, Reminds me of the Tower of Babel, man. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, we're we're approaching the um, we're approaching like biblical proportions of success in life, um, and in that something's got to give, something has to give, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so so much is being connected and created, and um, our ability to do is being increased exponentially every day. Uh, maybe not on a on a visual scale that we can see, but the the possibilities that are out there are just being increased so much. And it's like, where does it give? When does this stop? What's going to happen? You know? It'll be fun yes. to watch. When does the technology Definitely. decide to get rid of all humans? Yeah, <laughs> Skynet. When well, Skynet. I, was, I wasn't even talking about Skynet necessarily. I was talking about right. like, yeah. cold, it's cool too. Where's John Connor? I have to know. Well, maybe not Skynet. Maybe it's more like Ultron. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, or it's both of them working together. Yeah, all of them. 
Maybe Galactus uh, will come and take us before anything else. <laughs> or just Apocalypse. Apocalypse is gonna, you know, make him know, make himself known. And yeah. By the way, um, anybody who's seen the new, who's going to see the new X Men movie, stay till the end credits. Yeah. Stay, stay till yeah. after the end credits. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. It's very um, good. Your mind will explode if you know who it is. Your mind will explode if you don't know. You're still gonna explode because. Because it was really cool. It's very cool. So, okay, um, I have a one more question, which I think okay. is relevant to this. All right. How should Christian churches, organizations, and others deal with fandoms? Because I think we could say that some people treat these with a level of religious devotion, mm-hmm. and it's sometimes it is just difficult to tell the difference because there are many things you can replace religion, Christianity, relationship with Jesus with. Right. So that is obviously a difficult problem, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. when people start forming religions out of these pop mythological things, like yeah. people mm-hmm. who think that Middle Earth is real or yeah. that kind of thing. So, what do you all think of this? Um, I have. I, I'd like to speak a little bit on this first, if that's okay. Um, okay. I have a little bit of personal experience with this um, because um, M. Josh has talked a little bit about. Um, like he, he mentioned it briefly before, uh, talking about, um, deliverance ministry. And I have, I've gone through some of that. And one of the things in deliverance ministry is they, in the end, every single sin comes back to idolatry. Is it bigger than God? If you have to check with your sin before you check with God, then you, you, there's something wrong here. And that's, Mm -hmm. and it's an idol in your life, you know? Um, and for me, um, I had made being a nerd and a big, like a big sci-fi dude and all that, uh, such a part of me that I ended up displacing my time with God for mm. my time with whatever it is I wanted to do, you know? Um, so I had to lay it down. I had to say, this is no longer my God. God is my God. It, it's a verse in... I think it's like Leviticus that it says, if Baal is God, serve Baal, but if God is God, serve God, you know? So, um, just make a freaking decision, you know? And mm-hmm. if this is, if this is your God, so be it. But if that is not your God, if you declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and, and he died on the cross and rose again after three days and he died for your sins, then serve him, you know? Um, yeah. it comes back to, what is more important to you? What do you spend your time on? And I feel that fandoms are not wrong uh, in and of themselves, but when they start right. detracting, when they start distracting and detracting from your relationship with God, then that's where it becomes an issue. And that's true of every single thing ever. Um, that's where addictions come in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, video game addictions have been talked about a lot recently about like, oh, you can get addicted to this. Well, you can get addicted to anything. Like, you can get addicted to yeah. eating Tums. You can get addicted to uh, reading. You can get addicted to energy drinks. You can get addicted to anything. Do you love Tums? I just have some by my bedside, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, so, anyway, uh, the point being, if you have to check with that thing before you go do something for God or go spend time with God, or you do that instead of doing that with God, then that's an idol and it it can't be 
you know, uh, the a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, you know? Right. So, and I don't mean like all of my time should be spent in devotion to God, but I mean that in, um, if you spend so much time doing that thing that it detracts from the time you would normally spend doing with God. And even if you don't have a normal, there's a certain amount, you know, it's not like, it's not like you have to spend at least two hours a day with God, but you should be spending some amount of time every day with the Lord in some fashion. And if you're not, then you need to examine your life and see what is taking up so much of my time that I can't do that. And is, is that thing, an idol in my life? And if so, um, where do I go from here? You know? Yeah. So anyway, that was more of a personal sort of thing because I ended up seeing, um, science fiction and, um, nerdy things as an idol in my life. And I had to, I had to get rid of it. You know, I, I hardly play video games anymore. I still do play video games. I love video games. There's nothing inherently wrong with video games, Mm -hmm. but, just like anything else, alcohol, drugs, um, and not even necessarily that it's on that same scale, but just like anything else can become an issue, video games can become an issue, and you still have to monitor yourself. So, yeah. yeah That's what I, I would, Well, I would say about this is a couple of things. The one would, would connect with what uh, Michael just said, which is prioritization. Mm-hmm. Um, recognizing what place does this have in your life. I have, I'm a big board gamer and I've had a couple of times in my life where I felt the call of God to give up board games for a certain period of time. One time it was for Lent and our time God's just another couple of times actually God's just like, okay, why don't you just stay away from games for two weeks? And I would just stay away from board games for two weeks. Um, this past Lent, I gave up Facebook for all of Lent. And, so part of it is prioritization, and I would say that you can fast from your fandoms just like you can fast from food. Yeah. You can give up your fandom for a short amount of time to refocus yourself and connect with Christ. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say to churches is don't be afraid to recognize when a fandom connects really well with something the Bible says. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, we had... I, I had this really fun moment Sunday in church when my pastor was ta- was preaching from First Peter, and he's talking about God's desire to really wrap Himself around us and how He really chased after us, and He equivalent equip- or connected it with Mister Fantastic from the Fantastic Four, and how <laughs> Mister Fantastic has a stretchy, stretchy reach that He can reach really far. Mm-hmm. And how God was stretching himself out to, mm-hmm. re- to reach us and to find us. Um, you know, and I do stuff like that a lot with my inner chapel ministry. I take something really cool from a fandom and something from the Bible and say, here's where they come together. Mm-hmm. Now, now, once in a while, that means I have to say, you know what? This thing is kind of wrong, and here's what the Bible has to say about it, and we need to make sure we're holding up what the Bible says instead of what this says. Yeah. Um, but other times it's like, you know what, here's a really cool moment from a movie, and hey, the Bible says this, and these two gel so amazingly, and let's just enjoy this movie, but let's remember this very strong principle and take it back to Scripture when you see that cool moment. I like it. I like it. That's good. 
it's good. Um, and I feel that like people who can um, kind of mesh, like intermingle, like things in our lives, things in our daily life, um, uh, with examples from scripture. That's one of the best ways of teaching. You know, um, different yeah. examples. I've I have a buddy who you listen to him read scripture. He's so boring, but when he gives his example of like daily life that matches up with scripture it's like light bulbs everywhere you know it's mm-hmm. just little bits of revelation and 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 it's very cool um i'm becoming somewhat like that now um to a degree because he's a friend of mine and you know um but yeah if you can if you can find jesus in something that's exactly what happened with um the queen of sheba in solomon's house I think that's who it was. I know it was in Solomon. Um, he had discussed uh, like scripture and and like concepts, biblical concepts. And in the end, um, he was very wise because he was Solomon and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, what reasoned with her was seeing God in not in his arguments, not in his wisdom, but seeing God in the quality of his silverware or in the clothing of his servants or in Mm -hmm. the food on the table. It was seeing in God in the, the, the things in our daily life, seeing God in the mundane. That's where we can really establish that it's not wrong to um, like something. It's not wrong to like something, you know, like, like so much of nerd culture to the world to everyone else looks like, Oh, this is unhealthy and so on and so forth. And these, these people are weird and, but it's not wrong because we can find God in that too. You know? So, yeah, I feel like if you can find God in something that it definitely, um, it helps, you know? Yep. Hmm. Cool. Well, I think that's an exhaustive enough look at Dr. Who. (laughs) Definitely. Well, and fandoms in general and, uh, a lot of what we talked about from Doctor Who can apply to a lot of different fandoms too. Yeah, I yep. just picked that because you guys are both interested in it. Definitely, I am not a yep. part of any fandom, as far as I know. But I'm part I, of the Dark Souls fandom. I suppose, but you know what? I have my phone with Dark Souls, and I'm good now. So. Okay. okay <laughs> I'm enough. not part of the community, quote unquote. Yeah. I just enjoyed Dark Souls a whole lot. Yeah, definitely. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well. If, unless you have any last thoughts, I think we can wrap it up right there. <laughs> um, Dive right in. I have, Jump. I have a little... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Dive right in. Go. Oh, okay. Well, I, I feel like, um, you know, it's it says a lot about who we are and the things that we choose to spend our time on, you know. Um, mm-hmm. When we spend our time on something as silly and quote-unquote childish as a TV show or a video game, people tend to look down on us. But in the end, uh, just to hark back on what I said about finding God in things, in the end, we can find God in those things. Right. Um, And we are all individual creations and expressions of God. Mm -hmm. And so I don't feel like finding enjoyment in something that we as a species have created is wrong necessarily just because other people don't like it as well. Um, we can, if we wanted to, we could go the other direction with it and be like, what's the point of sports? You know, what's the point of like, I'm going to go throw a ball around or I'm going to go tackle somebody or I'm going to go wrestle with somebody that just seems so barbaric 
to a lot of people. But in the end, that's what people enjoy. And that's what makes us all as a species so dynamic is because all of our different interests are um, so varied in what we choose to spend our time on. And I know people who find God in sports too, you know, like anyway, um, point being, we should be able to find God in whatever we do. And if we can't find God in what we do, we may want to take another look at it. Yeah. And say, is this really, um, is this really good for my faith? And is this really good for my relationship with God? Mm-hmm. There's my final thoughts. Yeah, I agree. Cool. And I would, I would just agree with, with Michael and encourage you to be looking for God in your hobbies instead of just doing your hobbies for hobby's sake and be looking for that mo- those moments when he would say something to you through your hobbies um, and also just to be shamelessly promoting and fun. If anyone is in the Michigan area, come to Grand Con this September and join the Nerd <laughs> Chapel for our Sunday morning <laughs> service at Grand Con. Um, and otherwise just look up the nerd chapel on our blog spot our facebook or our youtube channel cool cool all right well this has been the theology gaming podcast if you like what you heard please subscribe to us on itunes give us a five-star rating if you give it any less i will find out where you live and i will do something <laughs> i'm not sure what you're just gonna have to find out yeah send a bellic yeah i might send you money i mean or oh. other things i don't know Hmm. If you have any questions, find us on Theology Gaming University Facebook group or send us a question by email at questions at theologygaming.com. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something or enjoyed it. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.